You are listening to Future Voices, a podcast brought to you by Beha Futures Foundation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Futures Voices, episode 44. It's a very special episode. It's coming close to the end of the year, and uh, that means for Bosnia and Herzegovina Futures Foundation, our annual gathering, Futures Leaders Summit, is just around the corner. And for this episode, we've decided to interview four incredible individuals who also happen to lead or be part of the leadership of four amazing organizations that have decided to support our annual gathering through various uh, methods. And that includes financial sponsorship, uh, workshops, speakers, and mentorship throughout the program as well. Our four incredible guests include Mohamed Babaic, the founder and general manager of DKR, the German Robotics Center in Tuzla. Haris Muratovic from Porsche BIH, also the general director of Das Welt Auto. Heidi Mostic, the chief commercial officer of Telemach BIH. And Katarina Uroščević, the chief of staff and director of corporate communications at HTEC, the fastest growing IT company in the region. Without further ado, enjoy this podcast. Enjoy the insights about the current market in Bosnia and Herzegovina. We will talk about electric vehicles and their rollout in the country, the quality of internet services in the country, uh, mobility, e-mobility, as well as robotics and automation in Bosnia and Herzegovina. All of that ties together with one aspect, and that is the Futures Leaders Summit, where the focus of the gathering will really be to bring together young STEM leaders with senior leadership in these organizations, establish an event that will annually bring together change makers in their rightful fields with an aim to create a strong network that will change the way we perceive the industry and the future of our country's development. Enjoy Futures Voices episode 44. Mohamed Babaic was born and raised in Germany. His parents are Bosnian. Growing up in Germany while the war was going on and his parents in his home country, he understood that education is the key to development, prosperity and self-determination. He graduated in business administration in Munich and founded his first company, Masterwork, in 2009, in the peak of the economic crisis. Masterwork supplies components and engineering services mainly to German machine building and the car industry. In 2014, Wamir Babaic was awarded the uh, Münchener Phoenix Prize by the city of Munich. Amongst other humanitarian engagements, Mamar Babaic and the whole team at Masterwork joined forces to organize immediate help after the devastating flood in the Western Balkans in that same year. Mamar Babaic is a regular speaker at symposia and panels. He's constantly engaged with the community and is always looking to drive economic opportunities in the Western Balkans. In 2016, he started the Deutsches Kompenzentrum für Robotik DKR, located in Tuzla, BIH. With its primary goal to educate young people in the fields of automation, robotics, and industry 4.0. In 2017, he was rewarded the Manager of the Year Award in Sarajevo. He's convinced that long-term peacekeeping in the Western Balkan region can only be achieved through education and state-of-the-art technology. He wants to connect people from foreign countries and from all regional origins to build a bright future on common interest. It's a real pleasure to host Mohamed Babaic here today at our Future Voices podcast. Mohamed, welcome. Thank you, Eddie. I have a few questions ready for you for our Future Leaders Summit. As you know, it's a congress that we're organizing for the first time under this name. The name speaks for itself. 
Uh, we're bringing together the future leaders in the STEM areas, and I think there's no better person to speak to about that topic than you. Tell us a little bit about how you decided in, to go on this journey and really start thinking about moving some operations to Bosnia, because you started Deca in 2016, but I believe that you started thinking about this whole concept much earlier in your career. We started with, with one simple uh, project. Our company funded an uh, um, industrial robot from KUKA with educational bundle to the University of Tuzla. And then we, I, I've seen this shining eyes of, of young people who are studying. And um, it was to me like nobody else was interested into what these young people are going to be, what they, which future will they have. And now... Looking at hindsight, from these shining eyes, we have very some bright international careers. Meanwhile, I've seen that people are really, really passionate about technology and about robots. And so we have done some more projects. And in 2015, we decided to start to build up competence center for industrial robotics which we then in, in uh, 2016 started and 2017 it was the big opening where we really have some international guests from from all of, over the europe and um, this was the reason uh, why why i got also this prize uh, in sarajevo in 2017 but the prize for me was when when um, some of the participants in, in the trainings came to me and told me what I've learned in two days here in, in the robotics center in DKR, I did not learn in one year at the university. And this was something what, it, it scared me, but I was really happy to have enabled su such a thing. I'm sure it was very, very motivating for you to see that you were having a huge impact on these young individuals through the center. Today, your center is involved, let's say, in two primary activities. One is educating young people, and the other one is helping the industry in Bosnia and Herzegovina digitize, as we say, automate certain mundane tasks that are being conducted in very low-paying wages, uh, at the same time, sometimes very risky, uh, high-risk jobs. Can you tell us a little bit about, from your observation, what is the status of digitization in manufacturing industry, as you best know it, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and what your company has done to date to help some of these organizations move forward? We have done some analysis, and um, we receive uh, uh, many inquiries from, from um, producing or manufacturing industry, and um, the companies we have already served and, and, and helped to, to um, automatize some uh, of, of, of their processes, they're really uh, um, grateful for, for this support and they have plans to do, to do it on a, on a larger scale. So the main thing um, in the center of focus um, is, is the human being, are, are the people. So if we can provide technology to to become better quality of life of the people and of the uh, and and rise the productivity then we we do the project then we implement automation and we we put um, robots in the in the factory if there is no such a improvement then it's not the right project for us so in bosnia there are a lot of companies who are already starting and implementing but 
I think that this automation and using robots will rise in the next couple of years um, um, dramatically. There are a lot. Uh, there are some indicators because people, uh, the companies cannot hire skilled people. When you when you are asked if what, what you what do you think about war of, for talents, I I can tell you there is no war for talents. The the war is over. The talents have won. <laughs> Every company who which which wants to grow and to become better on the international market, they need to have the, the smartest people, and we are helping um, the companies to get those people uh, through the education, through skilling up. So we are helping um, companies in two ways: we um, implement automation and digitalization on the one side, and on the other side. We um, skill up either people who are already in their companies, who are already employed, or we skill up people who um, will be finished their studies and, and will be on the market, on the, on the labor market. Some people say that automation is going to replace many of the jobs which are keeping uh, people in Bosnia and Herzegovina employed. I'd love to get your comment uh, on, on that particular topic. How is automation helping create jobs rather than destroy jobs? That, that's very simple to explain. If, if we have um, higher productivity in, the co in companies, then companies can pay people better. Then we will get more foreign investments because as an investor from uh, a country, from Germany, for example, I can choose between so many countries and then I will choose where I have a um, good cost structure and where I also have some kind of ecosystem where I can also implement and, and, and have some services as automation, as PLC programming, as robot programming. And that's how we can enable some growth in the country and in, in order to get higher wages and, and, and better quality of life, um, we have to rise the productivity. And that's what we are doing. Absolutely. Uh, Futures Leaders Summit, thank you very much for being such an important part of our annual Congress. You've supported the work of the Bosnia-Herzegovina Futures Foundation for many years. We've collaborated very, very closely. What can we expect as a community from DKR at Future Leaders Summit? What can students expect to see? Um, we can show you some insights in our, of our work. And uh, we also want to invite you to have a look at um, DKR in Tuzla. We are there to support you further. And I think the future will be good if, if everybody is doing the best he or she can do. And I have to say, in closing remarks, many people refer to DKR, the German Robotics Center in Tuzla, as the spaceship that landed in a place where many people thought it would not land. They are doing incredible work. They are educating hundreds of young people in the latest automation tools from various industrial controllers all the way through to large industrial robotic systems. Uh, there you have it, everyone. Please tune in to Futures Leaders Summit. Come and check out what DKR are doing at uh, Maidan Center. You'll be highly impressed as we all have. Mohamed, thank you so much for joining us for this special episode of Futures Voices. Thank you, Eddie. Our next guest is Katarina Urošević. Uh, absolutely incredible career. I'm gonna try and provide a short summary of what she's been up to uh, and of course, what she's achieved in relatively short time in her career. So she's a graduate from the Mathematics High School in Serbia. As many of you know, it's 
one of the most prolific schools producing some of the greatest mathematicians, physicists and engineers that the world has seen. And of course, that led her on to Princeton University, one of the most prestigious academic institutions in the world, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Arts majoring in physics. That's a unique combination. We'll find out more about that later on. But of course, uh, what's most unique and interesting about Katarina is that she came back to Serbia to do some pretty incredible things. And she's worked in innovation uh, throughout her career. She's managed a lot of different projects. She's worked as a project manager at the Innovation Fund in Serbia. She was the scientific coordinator uh, at a project implementation research and development. Uh, she was a policy analyst in Paris for a while. Uh, she worked at the World Bank, science innovation consultant for four and a half years. And finally, she landed in a role which we believe uh, is probably one of the most important ones because she's helping lead the next unicorn uh, in the region. And she's the Chief of Staff and the Director of Corporate Communications at H-Tech Group. Katarina, welcome to Futures Voices. Thank you, Eddie. Well, I have to say, I've read online so many things about you, but one thing that stood out is a lifelong devotee to research innovation. Katarina has spent the better part of her professional work designing and implementing strategies and policy instruments that would enable companies like H-Tech to grow. So I'm very interested to know, uh, what is HTEC all about? Uh, well, good morning, Eddie. Thank you for this introduction, first of all. Uh, sounds a lot more impressive when you say it. <laughs> uh, but uh, also, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today and uh, for the question about HTEC. Um, so to answer your question, uh, first of all, HTEC Group is one of the fastest growing technology companies in Southeast Europe. Um, I think what's uh, super exciting uh, for our listeners today is to know that HTEC started as a startup here in Belgrade in Serbia in one of the incubators that was uh, created at the technical faculties of the University of Belgrade. And so the founders who um, you know, are both, uh, uh, both university graduates here from Serbia started the small company, which has now 10 years later grown to be uh, really a global technology powerhouse with over a thousand employees and with its clear mark on both the European and the US market when it comes to delivering top-notch engineering services to some of the leading companies in the world. Um, so yes, fast-growing technology company uh, that's based here in the region, uh, but works with some of the biggest companies in the world, both technology companies, but also industrial giants in, in various sectors. And we're always fascinated when companies from our region uh, attempting to break international markets and do something quite incredible, which is make it from our region in uh, well-established markets. And HTEC is certainly doing that already and is going to definitely grow uh, at an incredible rate. Uh, we're also interested in knowing, you know, the brain gain, the brain drain uh, game. We, we always talk about this in our particular region. You came back after your education you're definitely not the only one that's come back when it comes to HTEC. From what we know, many of the engineers who HTEC employs and also the other employees uh, also come from international markets. And that just isn't a testament to the fact that HTEC is truly a global organization. But can you tell us a little bit about this whole brain gain uh, approach that HTEC has taken in terms of acquiring the best talent in the region, but also looking beyond the region for the recruitment of talent? I think, you know, um, 
the question of brain drain in this region is, is both uh, serious and extremely complex. Uh, for me personally, I felt after, after finishing university in the States and working in Canada for a bit uh, uh, as a research assistant, um, I felt the opportunity was there. And I felt that if I came back to Serbia, I would be able to do some amazing things. And uh, I've not been proven wrong. Um, I've uh, been able to develop a, a pretty exciting career and do some interesting things uh, here in Belgrade. And I think my position now, as you mentioned in the introduction, is really one of the biggest opportunities I've ever had and one of the most exciting moments uh, in my career so far. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to HTEC, there is a lot of people who have also returned from from various uh, careers abroad, both in Europe and the U.S., to work in the company. And I think what is crucial uh, for these decisions uh, for people is the ability to work on projects and to work on technologies and complex topics uh, that are uh, equally as interesting and equally as challenging as uh, they would have the opportunity to do elsewhere. So what is, I think, unique about HTEC, even though there's a lot of companies in this region, and, and thank God many of them are extremely successful in bringing engineering projects to this region and engaging uh, local engineering talent uh, to work on them, what I think is unique about HTEC is our ability uh, to work on extremely complex projects and to work on core technologies for some of the biggest companies. You know, we, we sometimes... Uh, uh, you know, when we're talking to potential clients and, and, and our entry ticket to work with them is telling them, give us your most challenging project. Give us something that your engineers are not able to do and let us prove ourselves on that. And then when once you do that, you are in and you can work on some uh, uh, exciting things. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to building your career here, um, you have to have the ability to work on things that are interesting and you have to have a clear uh, career path and ability to grow and constantly uh, constantly learn new things. And with HTEC working with over 80 clients in, in pretty much every sector that you can imagine and on every possible technology, you have the possibility to not only do that here, but also do it within HTEC. So, you know, work on you know, uh, the second biggest uh, project for the second biggest shipping company in the world, developing their platform for monitoring and optimizing uh, uh, the routes of, of uh, container ships across the globe. And then after a few years, completely switch and, and stay in HTEC and work on, you know, an exciting med tech project for a startup in, in Minnesota, for example. Um, so just the multitude of projects we have and our ability to work not just on software development, but also interesting hardware projects, uh, embedded uh, systems and so on, uh, I think is what really draws people in, uh, but also lets them develop their careers in, in a way that's very gratifying and, um, and keeps, them, keeps them here. Yeah, definitely one of the most diverse portfolios in terms of companies in the tech industry, uh, perhaps not even in South, uh, in Southeastern or Europe, we're talking about the wider region it's it's rare for a company to be so diverse, and I think that makes it one of the more exciting places to come and work because you don't really know uh, where you might end up within the organization as well. It sounds like a great place to work, and I'm sure you're having a lot of fun helping the company grow. I just wanted to go a step back and ask about the founders. Uh, the founders, uh, one of them is from Benaluka, and the other one is from uh, Herzegovina, from Mostar, from what we know. Can you tell us just a little bit, you've met them, you, you know them quite well, uh, what are the founders like and how did they actually come about you know, launching this company from its humble beginnings to where it is today, a truly regional giant? 
I, I only joined the company a year ago, but I've known the founders for more than 10 years. Um, I think uh, uh, maybe I can illustrate their uh, personality best if I tell you about the day that I actually met them. So uh, I was working in the Ministry of Science here in Serbia uh, in the office of the Deputy Prime Minister, who was then in charge of science. And we were trying to convince for, for quite some time the World Bank to kind of invest in innovation in Serbia, that there is an exciting ecosystem of startups. And we really wanted to do a project with them because there was not enough financing here from, from public sources. So the delegation came in from Washington. It was five or six people. And we decided to take them uh, to this incubator where HSEC was also uh, founded at the time. Um, so I brought this delegation to the incubator. There were maybe seven or eight startups there at the time. I introduced the, the delegation to each of the startups and among them also introduced them to, to Alex and Dushan who were there, uh, who were there representing HDEC. Um, I have to say from, from moment one, they stood out. So, uh, you know, you have, uh, you have a couple of startups there that are meeting a delegation of the World Bank that wants to invest in Serbia. And they were the ones who actually, I believe, <laughs> convinced the World Bank that there is something exciting here, that there are opportunities and that they really should support a project uh, which later became the Innovation Fund in Serbia and several instruments for financing, um, for seed financing of startups in the country. What was really exciting is that they automatically also saw the opportunity to do other things. So they approached me uh, with their wish to establish the Serbian Business Angels Network and we worked together uh, on that. So they were a really proactive member of, of the ecosystem. Uh, constantly with ideas on how to move forward. Um, like I said, they established the Serbian Business Angels Network, but within one year, Alex was in the board of uh, the European Business Angels Network. And through those connections there, was actually able to uh, also help grow HTEC and, uh, and meet some exciting European companies and get some of the first bigger clients that HTEC had. This is now, I'm talking, you know, 10, eight to 10 years ago. Um, so there really was a vision and there really was this kind of drive to maximize uh, every opportunity in front of them. Um, I mean, a lot of <laughs> hard work uh, that they put in to building this company, uh, but also a strong team and, and generating kind of this, uh, this amazing team atmosphere where everybody feels uh, uh, very independent in the things they're doing. There is not a lot of hierarchy. There's not a lot of waiting for decisions to be made. Uh, but they chose to work with people who they trust enough to, to make decisions on their own and to drive this business on their own. And so there is really, um, it is the founders, but there's also a wider team of people who have been here for quite some time and who have built this company to what it is today. Yeah, the company culture is one of the, I guess, probably is the most important aspect of any organization. It sounds like the foundation was very solid with the right mindset, with the right approach and the growth as a result of that has been uh, relatively organic as well. They say that nothing brings two uh, people together like business. Uh, nothing brings countries together and regions together like business. And HTEC is certainly doing that. You have offices all over the region. And we're particularly on this podcast interested in the work that you're doing in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And so we know that you have an office in Banja Luka. Uh, there's some other offices uh, being opened up or planned. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work in Bosnia and Herzegovina at the moment? Of course, Eddie. Um, so after after establishing several uh, uh, development centers in Serbia, obviously the first one was Belgrade, but quickly after that, uh, Niš and Novi Sad, later on Kragovac and Subotica, 
the first office that HTEC established outside of Serbia was in Banja Luka, and this was uh, two years ago, uh, exactly. In the meantime, uh, our team in Banja Luka has grown to be over 80 engineers. Uh, and uh, what is, uh, I think, perhaps also uh, exciting to say is that this year, uh, beyond Banja Luka, we also established development centers in Tuzla, Sarajevo, and Bjelina. Um, there is really strong potential uh, in Bosnia. We've already seen that on the example of, of Banja Luka, but not just that. Our office in Tuzla was established uh, less than three months ago, and we already have an incredible team there uh, that are uh, that are putting their first marks and their contributions to some exciting projects. I think you know, with this pandemic, perhaps uh, the process of of uh, distributing uh, teams and distributing projects has maybe been sped up a bit. Uh, but I think that's actually a really good thing because now we really don't hire per location. So every opportunity that exists in HTEC, every position that exists in HTEC is filled with the best candidate in wherever location we are. So people in Tuzla or Sarajevo or Bjelina have exactly the same opportunity as do our colleagues now in Skopje or Seged or Belgrade or wherever we, we are present. So uh, I think this, this is really, really good for everybody. Um, when it comes to Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, we want to further expand these offices in terms of the number of people, number of colleagues joining us, uh, but also to do more uh, for the, the local ecosystem and environment. Uh, just this week, we signed a collaboration agreement with the University of Banja Luka, and we've already been talking to, uh, to the technical faculties in Tuzla as well uh, to kind of expand our presence in these countries, not just in, in hiring uh, engineers and designers and other talent, but really working with the local, especially research community and, and university community on building new talent for the future and bringing some interesting research projects to the academic community as well. I'm so excited to hear that you are much more deeply involved than one would anticipate a company to be involved in. You're doing what's good for the company, but most importantly, you're also doing what's good for the community and the country and the economic uh, ecosystem as well, which leads us to the next point, Tuzla, uh, Futures Leaders Summit. As you know, it's uh, an event that we've been organizing since 2016. We've had some disturbances as a result of COVID, but nothing that's going to stop us uh, in the meantime. We want to thank HTEC for becoming a platinum partner of this year's Congress, which will be held in Tuzla. It's kind of worked out quite well that you are establishing an office in Tuzla, that you're expanding, that you're speaking to the technical faculties there as well. We're also very excited that you are opening up additional offices and investing further in the community. Uh, what we want to know a little bit from you is um, what can we expect from HTEC at Futures Leaders Summit? Because as a platinum partner and also as a, as a result of your initiative, you're involved in every aspect of the Congress. But tell us a little bit about what you've got planned and what you're going to deliver for the students that will be there. Um, yeah, thank you for this question, Eddie. First of all, uh, we've been following uh, the, the, the foundation and your activities for quite some time. So uh, actually, we're grateful for the opportunity to, to sponsor and support this event and, and be part of also planning it and, and seeing what kind of uh, value we can bring to the students and everybody who will be uh, uh, attending. Uh, we've discussed uh, with uh, with you and the other organizers as well, and I think we're bringing uh, really our, our A team to to support the event, but also uh, to share some experiences and and knowledge with everybody who will be present. So our VP of uh, Engineering and Delivery, Darko Todorovic, will be giving a keynote speech and kind of highlighting some of the 
the trends when it comes to technology development and, and uh, um, engineering services that we've seen over the past years. I think this will be quite an exciting lecture for everybody to, to understand not just what HTEC is doing, but also where the opportunity lies globally. Um, beyond this, uh, our VP of People Operations, uh, Sergey Ivanovich, will be participating in a panel, uh, which I think is quite important. And I'm really glad that you've already thought about organizing this type of panel. Uh, students will be able to hear more about how to develop uh, their careers. So, you know, we've already mentioned so far that there is a lot of opportunity in this region. Uh, thankfully, the IT sector is growing and companies are, uh, more companies are present and the ones that were established here are growing and becoming stronger uh, every day. Uh, so the opportunity is there. Uh, but sometimes as a student, uh, you're not uh, aware of these opportunities and maybe early on in your career, you can kind of um, either focus too early or simply uh, not understand how best to develop and how best to, to assess the companies that are kind of interviewing you in terms of uh, whether they will be able to take care of you in providing you with the adequate uh, trainings and the adequate uh, kind of uh, career development processes. So I think this will be a really important panel for students to understand what are some of the key things they need to consider uh, when launching their uh, careers in, in engineering in particular. Um, additionally, uh, we are preparing an exciting workshop. I think this is, a, this is also great in such a big setup and summit to have the opportunity to kind of focus and sit in a room with you know, 20 to 30 students and do really hands-on uh, work. So we will be giving them a challenge, uh, uh, very similar to the type of challenges that we get from our clients and, and putting them in uh, teams to work and to kind of really brainstorm around the problem, how they would solve it from both an engineering perspective, but also having an understanding of what the business challenges are as well and presenting their solutions to us at the end of this kind of uh, technical workshop. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, be giving out some small prizes as well. Um, so I think, you know, overall, it's really an opportunity to bring people together. Uh, to hear about the opportunities that exist and to learn from kind of the experiences of people who have already been there and done that. So um, I think it'll be exciting for students to hear some of the decisions that HTEC had to make along the way. Uh, one of the interesting ones is, you know, um, being a product company versus a services company, kind of how that decision took place. And, and there's always this kind of um, desire to develop your own products and, and what are the pros and cons of that. And if you want to go into developing a kind of a product business, uh, what you have to consider and what you want, what you have to consider if you're developing, uh, developing an engineering services business as well. Uh, so I think a lot of interesting topics ahead of us, uh, but really uh, grateful for to you for being able to bring this kind of exciting group of people together. Uh, also challenging uh, to bring them together in a physical space in these times. Uh, and it will be really nice to see everybody and be able to talk to students in person and share some experiences. I'm so super excited about the event. So much amazing stuff going on offer. Uh, I don't think there's a student uh, out there that will listen to this and not be uh, looking for any way to reach Tuzla to, to <laughs> participate in these events. We hope some of the content we'll be able to make available uh, online as well, post-event. So those that couldn't attend for restrictions as a result of COVID, they'll be able to still get some form of interaction. But it sounds like, as you said, you're bringing uh, the A team for the A game. And I think that means a lot for everyone that's listening to this. Uh, Katarina, as last uh, little bit of information that we want from you as a sort of final remark, 
a, a sort of key message that you want to send to young people, not only in Bosnia and Herzegovina, but the whole Western Balkan region, let's say, the, the place where we speak the same language but call it different things, a key message for all of them that are listening to this podcast regarding HTEC. I think uh, perhaps the key message and, and maybe uh, something I've learned over uh, my uh, one year in HTEC now is, is this thing I mentioned that really stood out about our, par- our, our founders when I met them, and that is uh, maximize every opportunity. Uh, so really, don't be scared to put yourself out there to try things that are, you know, challenging, Uh, that you're not even sure that you're able to accomplish, but to really drive yourself early on in your career uh, to expand your skills and to learn different things. Um, I think this is, uh, this is a good message for young people. Uh, with uh, with HTEC growing uh, and hiring uh, over 60 new people each month and, and will slowly uh, be even increasing that number to hiring about 100 people each month, Uh, there really is an opportunity. But when choosing your first jobs and when you're developing your careers, you have to really assess the companies that you want to work with. Uh, you have to look whether there is a career path, whether the company is investing in career development, and whether there is growth, because without growth, uh, a career path is only a, a piece of paper. Uh, with growth, there is uh, the possibility to grow your career as well within the company and to be part of a team that is doing something big together. What really makes it exciting for me is that we are literally a team of a thousand people working together and driving together uh, towards a bigger goal. And that's an exciting feeling. Well, there you have everyone. Katarina Urosevic from HTEC. Uh, you've, you've heard what they're bringing to Tuzla. Uh, you definitely want to be at Futures Leaders Summit from the 15th to the 17th of December at the Bosnian Cultural Center in Tuzla. Katarina, thank you so much for this time and this podcast. Unfortunately, we have to cut things short. Would have loved to talk to you more about what you're up to, but I guess that gives us more reasons to have another podcast in more detail and discuss some of the exciting projects that you guys are involved in. Exactly. Thank you, Eddie, so much and see you in Tuzla very soon. Let's welcome our next guest, Haris Muratovic. Haris graduated with a Bachelor of Economics and a Master of Financial Management from the University of Sarajevo. He has spent 16 years in the automotive industry. It's fair to say almost his entire working career. Since 2015, he's been with Porsche Beha. His current position is the brand manager of Das Welt Auto, dasweltauto.ba, if you want more details. He's additionally the president of the Association of Importers and Car Dealers in the Federation of Bosnia and Herzegovina Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Hardis is involved in a lot of advocacy work as well electric vehicles, e-mobility. That's what we're going to talk about today. Haris, a warm welcome to Futures Voices. Thank you for being with us and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about this topic. It is my honor, of course, to share my experience with our students, our colleagues, actually. It's fair to say that the topic that we're about to talk about is probably one of the hottest topics uh, in the region, if not in the world. How do we reduce carbon emissions? How do we bring in e-mobility truly? There's a lot of work going on in advocacy, regulation, policies, uh, work with government, private industry, education, students in this instance as well. There's probably no better person to talk to us about this topic right now in Bosnia than yourself. You've been in the automotive industry for numerous years, as we said earlier. We can see there's a big push for e-mobility, even in the Western Balkan region, although that might seem 
a little bit crazy given how many other challenges we have. We know that it's very important. Although it's taken a while, it seems like we're moving in the right direction. What is the current status of e-mobility in Bosnia and Herzegovina? As you said, of course, that we are moving into the right direction. To be honest, it's slowly moving forward, but still is moving. And this is something what is good. Even if it's look like uh, that we are on the beginning here in Bosnia, I would say that we started on time planning our strategy three years ago. In the meantime, uh, we already had several panel discussions uh, about the importance of this topic. Uh, we have spoken with many of the institutions, public institutions, governmental, and we have joined uh, with other counterparts through association. So three years ago, we, we, we launched one association, e-mobility in the Chamber of the Commerce. So this was the way how we think that we can move things forward. And now if we talk about moving forward, what roadblocks are we hitting along the way? If you can take us back from a few years to where we were and where we are now, there were challenges, there are still challenges, but some of those challenges have been overcome. Like with any new technology that's being introduced, the government plays an important role when it's being involved at a national level. What challenges have you seen along the way and what have we overcome to date? Yeah. Uh, first barrier was, I would say, what we face, it was low regulation in different, uh, in different institutions, starting from the municipalities, then canton level, then entities, and of course, the, the, the country level. Uh, actually, when we wanted to register the first car, we couldn't register that because they didn't have it in the guideline, in the low regulation, electric vehicles, did not exist that time. It was maybe three or four years ago. Uh, and then uh, we overcome that we have really that challenges and uh, we, we actually find a way how to solve this, but then we sit down and, and, and go through the old guidelines. And it, it, it take a, a few years time to figure out where we have a gaps actually, and what should be changed. And I would say, to be honest, uh, that the main issues are anyway correlated with public institutions, which are always trying to find reason uh, how not to do something or taking some formalities, bureaucracy, but not try to find reasonable and or pragmatic solution. We spent so much time to investigate what are barriers, in terms of that low regulation. And after we figure out now it's much easier, uh, we know that we have to do something and we will do it. There's no step back. Uh, where is the infrastructure currently to support uh, electric vehicles in Bosnia and Herzegovina? How many charging stations do we currently have, uh, public charging stations available on the roads? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question. We as a company, uh, Porsche VH uh, feel that we, since we are leader of our market, uh, about three years ago, uh, we have established our local strategy and we taking into consideration what is happening abroad because we have so many information from the producers or from Volkswagen Group, where this automotive industry is going in the future. 
And we asked simple questions. Uh, where the automotive industry would go in a close future, why this is important for us and for our society, uh, what is our rule and how we can put it on the focus, not only in our company, but also in the public media. And then we decided uh, to be example and to do concrete things in order to promote benefits of e-mobility. And first, we have started, as I said, uh, with registration, the first e-Golf and e-Up. This is the two models in 2017, which was uh, registered in the Europe. Of, and, and then we faced that kind of problems. Second thing was uh, infrastructure. It is very, very important for this topic. The people will always ask you, uh, okay, how much it is cost and where can I recharge my car? Then uh, we sit down and we said, okay, we have to do this through the social responsible projects. And we have installed 75 electric chargers in the last two years. And in total, now we have a 126 electric chargers in the Bosnia and Herzegovina. So 75 of that, it was uh, uh, installed by our company. Uh, when we are speaking about public charges, we have a 48 public charges. And we also have uh, some issues uh, in low regulation. When you would like to put the electric charges and install in the public area, you will need uh, so many bureaucracy formalities as you, for example, building uh, the house or, or building the same papers you will need for electric charges. So we recognize that and we and we are uh, uh, trying to, to solve this issue with our government. Yeah, we, we make a proposal for them, taking into consideration what the countries around us done in that, man, in that manner, for example, Croatia and Slovenia. And we use that opportunity to present to our government and hope that it will be solved in a, in a, in a, in a close future. Sounds like you guys have done incredible amounts of work to get us to this point, although perhaps it's not always visible to the everyday citizen. I'm glad that we have an opportunity to perhaps share some of this with the average citizen, but also some of our diaspora members who will very gladly uh, be involved in any uh, initiative that will help reduce carbon emissions, but also uh, you know, free up some of our roads of all of that pollution as well. I wanted to touch on another topic, which is the end user. Uh, are we seeing an uptake of electric vehicles in Bosnia Herzegovina, but also broadly speaking, the region? Uh, when we are compare uh, Bosnia and the region, I would say that uh, unfortunately we are uh, late maybe some couple of years uh, to catch the region, especially Slovenia and, and Croatia, they have thousands of electric vehicles registered on the streets. Uh, but here in Bosnia, we have about 70 vehicles registered. I would say it is also a positive number since we don't have any stimulation for the purchasing of uh, electric vehicles, but the countries around have it. For example, Montenegro and Serbia uh, gave 5,000 euros uh, stimulation for purchasing of the car. In Croatia, 9,000 9, uh, euros. In Slovenia, 8,000. Uh, also, they have uh, some 
stimulation through the registration process of that car. They have so much infrastructure established as well. Uh, I would say that uh, uh, we are late a little bit, uh, but I'm sure that we will catch this on a time uh, in the next couple of years. Otherwise, we will, we will be here the, the black hole, I would say, in the Europe, because, you know, those cars, are, the prices of that cars are lower day by day because of uh, commercial launching. For example, in, in, in a, this year, it will be 120 cars launched elect with electric uh, uh, engine, actually, on the, on the, on the market. So uh, there are uh, huge benefits of that. Uh, we have a 40% pollution uh, here in Bosnia, especially in Sarajevo. We have exact numbers, so 40% pollution coming from the cars. And it's azote oxide uh, pollutions, which is uh, very, very uh, terrible for our health. And you know that, for example, in Bosnia, 3,500 people dying every, every year because of uh, pollution. So uh, this, is, this topic is uh, more than, uh, I would say, electric cars. Uh, those cars which we will have now on the market is more secure. It's a smart cars. Uh, it's a con you can connect with any devices you have it. It's also part of the smart city concept, which is very important also for uh, our cities because we would like to have a more efficient time consuming in that manner this car will help us in the in the close future uh, the, the new trend uh, which is coming uh, will bring us not to have this car like ours we will much more use this car like leasing that car and we will much more uh, you know uh, share this car. So there is also some car sharing concepts which we can see around uh, Europe. Also, this uh, car does not have any any influence uh, on the any any bad influence uh, in the pollution. So uh, I hope that also renewable energy will be more present our, in, in, in our country. So this will be the full concept of benefits of that cars. Of course, I, something what I would like to mention that electric energy is something which is our product. So once when we will start using more and more these electric cars, the money will stay in our country. So we will use our local, I would say energy, which is also benefits for us. Yeah, I think that's a great point you've made there, last of all, that the energy, the electricity is produced locally and therefore we'll be consuming our own oil, <laughs> modern oil, uh, exactly. inst instead of importing it and being dependent on foreign countries and prices being jacked up, et cetera, et cetera. So very good point. There's a lot of economic uh, topics behind the rollout of the technology, and I'm glad that we're able to explore some of them here. I just want to very shortly get a couple of more answers before we conclude our podcast. Uh, how far have we progressed? You mentioned that there are grants being offered in Slovenia and, and Montenegro, for example, for the purchase of electric vehicles. There are registration concessions in those countries. How far is Bosnia from introducing initiatives like that? And what have you gotten back from the government on those topics? Uh, 
uh, as I said, we have prepared many, many uh, uh, proposals to our government, taking into consideration how the surround countries do this. So actually we took our responsibility to provide them solution how to do this. But always, to be honest, we have some kind of excuse. You know, we don't have a low regulation. We cannot connect this with some low uh, article or something like that. But I, I would say we will not give up. Uh, so uh, I, I hope that next year we will have something because uh, we knock knock to, to different doors, I would say in different levels uh, in, in our country. So from Canton level, I, I would say that closest we are here in Sarajevo Canton, we really have a, a great communication with the Canton uh, prime minister and, and, and some ministers uh, in, in the Canton Sarajevo. I would say that we are looking forward next year to have something exact like a subvention, like a, some grants for the purchasing of that car. With the fund of Envi Environmental in Federation BH, they also uh, started doing some stimulation for uh, electric charges. So this is some something what is positive. And of course, uh, from the next year, we expect that they will also launch some grants uh, in terms of stimulation and hope that uh, in the next couple of years, the picture will totally change also here in Bosnia. Absolutely, and we're all cheering for you and uh, we thank you for doing such extraordinary work in lobbying and getting uh, the government involved. Last topic, young people have a very important part to play in the rollout of this technology from every element. Some of them will end up in the government that will in the future regulate uh, electric vehicles. Some of them are developing the technology. Some of them will be using the technology. And most of all, young people are very progressive and want change. Uh, young people are the focus of Futures Leaders Summit, which will be held in December in Tuzla. Uh, obviously, your organization has supported the event, and we thank you very much for that. What can young people expect from your organization at Futures Leaders Summit? Mm -hmm. Uh, as you said, we are taking always uh, opportunity to participate in this social uh, contribution, uh, especially when we are talking about, uh, uh, I would say, the young people and, and uh, students. Our main message would be that they never give up. Uh, they have to face with the challenge and move forward to be persistent even if it's sometimes one millimeter. So just go forward and, and be change what you want to see. And uh, I would say, uh, try to find always uh, the way how to invest in yourself, because we have now this situation with whole life, you, you have to invest in yourself to be uh, uh, competitive products. You know, uh, we as a human capital is very competitive on our market only if we invest in ourselves, not only through the company, but also in, uh, in, in the own arrangement. Uh, we have established different uh, programs also for, with, the, with the high schools and with some universities where we wanted to put uh, uh, maybe the new exams uh, on the on the market because we are missing that. For example, mechatronics, it's a, for a high school. 
uh, we we are missing that on the marketplace uh, because as you said the the time is changing we will need a much more uh, digital marketing we will need a much more uh, it sectors this is digital area and uh, we we are trying to find solution how to uh, be in a close relationship with the universities where we can also have in the future uh, students uh, which will be the answer for the uh, future which is coming now yeah absolutely and small little uh, i guess sneak peek can we expect to see one of Porsche's electric vehicles in Tuzla at Futures Leaders Summit? Yeah, of course. We will try to come in that summit. I will. I personally driving uh, a Volkswagen ID3 last three months, so uh, I will come with that car uh, in a, in a, in a Tuzla. But of course, if you if you like to see and uh, to be present there with the Porsche Taycan, for example. I will try to do my best to, to bring it on a, on a, on a summit. Well, I think it's amazing. Whichever vehicle we end up with in Tuzla, it's just great for young people to actually see, touch, feel, and sit behind the steering wheel of an electric vehicle for, so that it becomes customary that it, it is the future. And I want to thank you very much, Hardis, for joining us at Futures Voices, for supporting the Futures Leaders Summit. At the end of uh, December, there's going to be some excellent activities promoting technology and policy. Thank you so much for being a guest on Futures Voices. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And see you in Tuzla. See you in Tuzla, everyone. I have an amazing guest with us here today, Heidi Mostic. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her because I believe you'll be just as fascinated about her career and what she's accomplished in a relatively short time as I have. She's an experienced corporate investment banker with strong leadership, team building, communication, operational management skills. She completed her Bachelor of Business degree at the Faculty of International Business in Dubrovnik during the war in the Western Balkans under the Soros Scholarship, graduating best in her class and then completed an MBA from Tulane University in New Orleans, United States under the Ron Brown Scholarship, receiving the MBA Outstanding Graduate Tulane Business Alumni Award. She began her career at Winslow Partners, the U.S. investment fund in the Czech Republic, as the internal CFO before becoming the managing director of Copernicus Capital, one of the first private equity funds in the Serbian market. From 2008 to 2014, Heidi developed business expansion strategies and supervised investment projects for investee companies of 7LC's private equity fund in the Western Balkans. From 2010 to 15, she oversaw the acquisitions that led to the consolidation of cable TV and internet services providers in Bosnia and Herzegovina, completing 15 separate acquisitions that produced the country's largest cable TV and leading broadband operator, Telemach. That is where Heidi is today. Having held the role of chief financial officer, she is today the chief commercial officer. One interesting fact about Heidi is that in addition to her native language, she also speaks fluently English, obviously, and Czech. Super impressive career, may I add, Heidi. Uh, I'm a huge supporter and advocate of, of philanthropic work, as are you. And you're also the president and the board of directors of the Telemach Foundation and a member of the board of directors of the Philanthropic Forum of Bosnia and Herzegovina. So we have a lot in common. A very warm welcome to Futures Voices. It's lovely to have you here. 
Oh, dear Abby, thank you for having me. Thank you for this wow, amazing introduction. I really appreciate it, especially coming from you. So Heidi, you studied abroad. Obviously, you spent a fair bit of time in New Orleans in the United States. We, we spoke before this podcast, what an amazing ecosystem New Orleans is, Louisiana in general. And yet you came back to Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. I'm going to try and tie them into one. Did you always intend to do that? Many of our citizens, as you know, depart never to return because of the amazing opportunities that are on offer. And yet somehow you were drawn back to Europe. You didn't just return, but I'd say you returned with a boom. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that journey of going there and coming back and what actually happened. Oh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I just uh, I would love to share the story. And uh, my heart has always been here. And, you know, there is no question in my mind whether I would be back or not. But uh, maybe I'll just uh, take you through my story and it might uh, help uh, uh, our their youth in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina to, you know, follow the, their dream. So, yeah, I got my undergraduate degree in international business, as you said, in Dubrovnik. And, uh, and I really always dreamed as a child to build that bridge between the Western world and our country. Being caught in this transition, starting college in Yugoslavia, and then uh, continuing uh, 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 my studies during the war in Zagreb and Dubrovnik, you know, and those were tough times. I really tried to make, make best out of it, uh, you know, during a war studying, you know, just not what you dream of when you are a student. But when I graduated, uh, you know, uh, I went uh, uh, back home just writing my thesis and preparing and I was fascinated and amazed by what was happening at that time in Sarajevo in Bosnia. The first couple of years after the war in Bosnia was so dynamic and vibrant and, and positive. And I would say maybe the happiest years of, of my life. That feeling of, you know, uh, citizens uh, 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 just, you know, wanting to enjoy life, uh, financial aid and investments were pouring, reconstruction of country was visible at every step and revival of economy, education, the meeting this world expert that were providing uh, support and, you know, reading about uh, 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 noble uh, winners and, you know, sitting and having a lunch and discussing topics with them was, was uh, something to, to remember. I really enjoyed uh, 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 Bosnia at that time and really was not thinking about leaving. I remember, uh, you know, uh, at that time, Sarajevo really felt like the center of the world. Uh, you too uh, organized the concert, the, the first year of, you know, peace in Sarajevo. I don't know if you know, but uh, Bono, the, the leader of U2 band, uh, visited Sarajevo under the siege, and he promised to come and organize a concert once war ended. So we didn't have proper even electricity at the time, and you uh, 2 did come. Uh, bring all these giant generators from Croatia. They really were committed to, to make a big show and, and thank, you know, citizens and bring that hope. And concert was uh, organized in Zetra. So really, I mean, just those are the vivid memories uh, of Sarajevo. And as I said, I really honestly never thought about leaving. So, um, you know, but, you know, life happened happened and uh, you know I got a really uh, uh, great opportunity to get US State Department scholarship for a graduate program in the States. I applied and I and I got a scholarship and definitely did not want to miss on that one. As you know, I always believed in investing in an education and uh, knowledge is the key to personal fulfillment. So I decided to 
accept it, go to Tulane in New Orleans and really attend this intensive, culturally diverse uh, business educational experience. And, you know, it's just that I felt so lucky and, you know, I enjoyed every minute, uh, not just working and living with, with uh, you know, students from uh, uh, South Africa, you know, Norway, uh, Latin America, uh, Japan, uh, really is, was in addition to the business education, I got this cultural experience that I was missing back home. So this two-year MBA program was really great opportunity for me to work and study with, with my colleagues. And uh, that's when I really, uh, uh, I was clear about what I want to do. I want to focus on private equity investments and I want to, uh, you know, finally fulfill my dream. And that was really to bring uh, foreign private direct investments into the part of the world I came from. So after I received after I received my MBA degree, uh, there were no signs of private equity happening in the region, in the Balkan region, so or any other foreign direct investments coming even to Bosnia. So my plan was I would go and get that experience in emerging markets of Europe. So first I got an internship in Warsaw, which was which also surprised me, which is vibrant uh, financial market scene, and. Uh, but that was not where my story uh, uh, follows. Uh, really, uh, one of my Tulane alumni uh, connected me to US boutique investment fund, Winslow Partners, which was operating in Prague. So from Warsaw, I moved to Prague and I worked on mezzanine and equity fundraising, managing uh, growth production and service companies in Czech Republic. We were very hands-on and, uh, you know, I, I was really lucky to learn about business standards and running a business from our individual financial investors, which were actually ex-executives of the leading financial U.S. institutions. So as you can imagine, that was a big learning curve for me. But uh, I never wanted to stay in Central Europe. And uh, you, as I said, my dream was coming back to the Western Balkans and really doing the same I was doing there. So I jumped to the first opportunity that came across and that was UK-based Copernicus Capital Investment Fund that was uh, making one of the first uh, financial private equity investments in the region. I was offered an investment management position and as you can expect, I grabbed it. Copernicus was expanding business from Croatia to Serbia, which was just opening, uh, opening up post this Milosevic era. And, uh, you know, even though I've never been in that market, I know it would be challenging. Uh, you know, for me, it was a great opportunity. So in 2000, I opened our Copernicus office in Belgrade, recruited a team and developed our business there. In the first year, which is kind of an unusual, we managed to complete a couple of uh, first private equity investments in Serbia at that time, which we successfully exited a few years ago. So it is like a startup business in, in, in the market that reminded me very much of Sarajevo post-war because you know I was really, again, truly lucky to live and work in the city that started, that started a new life, really was turning a page so market was hungry, you know, diaspora from Serbia was returning, the investments were pouring, privatization has started and really like this very positive and motivational environment. And, you know, I just like enjoyed every second of it. But I always kept eye on Bosnia and Herzegovina. That's what I wanted to, to, to go next. And I wanted to really finally bring that investment back into my country. 
So I came across an interesting investment opportunity in Bosnia, as I was always, you know, visiting, talking to people in business. And at that time, BH was the only country in Europe that really didn't consolidate the private cable and broadband operators. So as I have a similar, I have had the similar experience in Croatia with the Copernicus, we did that consolidation uh, successfully there. I knew that investors would be really interested in, in this business. I put together a business plan uh, that we would acquire initial five companies, five operators that had the really high growth opportunities and opportunities for further investments. So uh, uh, once I put the business plan together, I start talking to uh, different institutional investors that were operating in the region, including uh, Bosnia. So it was like EBRD and IFC. And at the end, they introduced me to uh, uh, really uh, uh, successful and a small boutique investment fund, uh, seven LCP partners that it's Athens based at a time. And they were covering investments across the ex-Yugoslavia, uh, uh, including Bosnia. They were not afraid of uh, Bosnian uh, challenges. So we discussed the business plan, went over it, uh, had a couple of meetings in Sarajevo with the businessmen and you know they decided, yeah, let's go and do it. So this was my ticket to come back to Sarajevo. Uh, so really investors were looking for something like this. Uh, and I think uh, I provided this, uh, 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 I had this unique opportunity really that I knew what investors are looking for, uh, how to present this investment opportunity. I spoke uh, the language of uh, uh, investors. And at the same time, I could provide that bridge and overcome all local barriers and potential risks uh, to successfully complete these transactions. Being from Bosnia, you know, having the right contacts and knowing uh, uh, how to overcome the, the small obstacles that were on the way. So uh, uh, with 7LC, we did this initial investments, but uh, as, as, uh, as I said, I knew that this is a really great opportunity for, for expansion. We brought in one of the largest European private equity fund, Mid-Europa Partners, who were already present in the region by investing in what is now United Group. So that's our mother company now, Telemach Mother Company. So in my role of M&A advisor, I led and supervised 15 individual acquisitions in, in Bosnia in, in, in this sector. And uh, KKR, the leading global investment firm headquartered in Manhattan, took over the uh, ownership of United Group and further expanded our business in the region and you know, provided also further additional investment in BIH. So at, at that time, we were the largest US investment in Bosnia. And I really felt lucky to have this one of a kind opportunity to meet and work with the leading names in investment industry. So I really had my dream job, you know, these big names. And if you are in private equity, you know, uh, KKR and Mid-Europa, the names you, you want to get close to. And, you know, as, as you can see, I, I managed to really uh, work with these uh, uh, amazing, successful and interesting uh, creative guys uh, and do it here in, in Bosnia. Uh, so uh, after I worked on the successfully on the investment and really help uh, investors get their foot in, in, in Bosnia, I was invited by the United Group executives to join the business. So first, as you said, I was CFO and then continuing doing business development, but subsequently, 
as I wanted to take, uh, we all wanted to really take our sales and customer service to the next level of excellence. I took over a commercial side of our business and uh, that's where I'm today. So Eddie, in retrospective, uh, getting my academic degrees on two continents, living and working in five countries, experiencing different cultures, learning even different languages and working in different business environments and industries. I really can say it was just amazing experience, but a great challenge and not something easy to do. So uh, as I said, I ended up working with the leading names in the financial industry with investors like KKR, BC Partners and Mid Europa. And if I lived in the States, if I stayed in the States or stayed in the Central Europe, maybe I would never have had this opportunity. So I really feel lucky and that my daughter can grow up in this really warm and friendly uh, society back home. And, you know, I can give her a uh, 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 childhood that I had uh, with, with our family and other relatives uh, sharing our life. So I think uh, I made the right choice. <laughs> I think I really do. I am just blown away by what you've achieved. I mean, uh, I, I knew a lot of the details, but now you've clarified some more details and it's so impressive what you've achieved. And I have to say, although I live in Melbourne, Australia, but my plan is to come back to Bosnia very soon. Uh, wow. I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad that you made the choice to come back and that you are on our team and that you are in Bosnia helping grow the talent pool and having this super impressive knowledge which can be shared with others so amazing 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 i want to touch back on telemark because that's where you are at the moment it's a huge brand name in bosnia herzegovina i'm glad that you shared the story of how telemark came to be because i believe a lot of people don't know that story it's just like oh there's this big brand everyone knows a very successful brand but knowing how it got to be amazing it's uh, the leading cable television broadband internet service provider in the country it's the largest alternative fixed line provider in the country as well. And the company's part of this enormous uh, group, you know, this uh, British BC partners. But can you tell us a little bit more about what holds this company together? Who are the people in the company? How does the company operate in Bosnia? We're always fascinated by who are the people behind the company that make it so successful? Uh, obviously we know one now, which is you, but tell us a little bit more about the back end. Yeah, oh, you thank you, thank you, Eddie. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, proud not only to bring this investment uh, and one of the largest investments to, to Bosnia and Herzegovina, but really seeing and participating in uh, what we build in our country is, 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 is uh, really impressive. Not only that we are the leading broadband operator, we really were, we are the telecom technology pioneer uh, that really introduced from flat broad internet, uh, new Eon, the, the cloud-based innovative TV platform, really comparable to Netflix or, or any advanced uh, uh, Western uh, platforms uh, with a cutting edge uh, customer equipment, uh, uh, investing in the extensive Wi-Fi wi network across the country and developing number of web-based applications. But over these 10 years and the last 10 years that uh, Telemach uh, uh, existed, uh, they invested hundreds of millions uh, 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 KMs in developing countries, modern telecommunication infrastructure. And I think that's the one of the really key benefits uh, because in order for uh, economy or education or uh, business overall uh, uh, to thrive, 
uh, you need to have an infrastructure. And without these significant investors and investments, you know, uh, this is not possible. And we all know that uh, the, the reliable and the modern broadband is really a basis for economy development. So I, I just, I, if I may add, uh, uh, not even modestly, we participated and pushed the market in, in, the, in the right direction. So, but uh, the experience of uh, COVID pandemic really show, showed us uh, how much people depended on all what we do. As you can imagine, overnight, the re reliable, fast-speed internet connection became a prerequisite for nearly every aspect of life work and education, shopping, entertainment, even of healthcare. So we were uh, and we are aware of our role and responsibility, and we successfully managed to increase our capacity to meet growing demand in uh, 2020, maintaining the excellence of our service quality and customer experience. Really, this was the big test uh, uh, for all of us. You know, we knew we were good. You know, we were adding customers, really having uh, high growth. But whenever, when the life stopped and, you know, everybody moved into their homes, having needing the capacity to, you know, recreate their life uh, from based on Internet, uh, we, the, the, this was the really great test and showed that we uh, really did a good job as everything uh, continued smoothly. And, you know, we added so many new customers that year because, you know, we, we customers and citizens knew uh, where the best service is. So not only that we were, you know, investing in a country and building this infrastructure and connecting uh, uh, hundreds of thousands uh, homes across the country, and we were providing services to a million, our, million of our citizens, but also we were connecting schools uh, and over 10,000 businesses, banks and institutions, really providing them with the, with the most modern uh, technologies for, for operations. But not only that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, philanthropy is, is uh, something I'm personally, uh, uh, you know, very much vested and involved uh, uh, our company is is known to be one of the first companies that provide the support to to local communities and also uh, when covid hit uh, and pandemic uh, uh, you know boomed in, in the march of 2000 uh, uh, we 2020 we provided the support uh, to our public institution and health system and uh, with a financial aid of 750k really to fight COVID uh, uh, in this uh, toughest time, but also we continue with the various uh, uh, CSR programs and continue to work with the BIA youth and giving donations to the number of institution and nonprofit organization through our Telemark Foundation. So, uh, but as you said, uh, the companies are successful, how successful their employees are. And uh, none of this would be possible uh, uh, if we did not have this amazing team as, as we have in, in Telemark. Uh, so we are, I don't know, maybe, uh, uh, and our uh, listeners don't know that we are a really young company with over uh, 650 employees and the average age is 32. I'm like definitely one of the oldest one in a team. <laughs> so for, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I often feel like I'm a mother to, you know, <laughs> six, 700 uh, kids. So for most of our employees, Telemark was their first job. 
they have been growing and developing together with our business. And uh, most of our young professionals started as agents in the call center. We provided them continuous trainings, uh, work with them, you know, on mentoring, uh, and uh, really helped them develop into the successful young managers. So you can imagine, you know, seeing uh, uh, someone uh, having a first job and, you know, crying on the first day because got a, uh, you know, very uh, negative customer on the other end. And today they are a successful managers, you know, running a team of 20 people, uh, you know, they, they say they are living their dream and, you know, it, it, it was all possible here in Bosnia. So, um, uh, I think, you know, they are our best face and the reason why uh, 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 we have these high standards of service quality, we, we, we really know we couldn't achieve this and maintain if we didn't have a, a team that uh, also was willing to improve and become better. So we, as, as, as I said, we really put a great emphasis on professional education and training of all of our employees and they stay with us. So in order to be a pioneer in telecom technology, you really need to create this internal business environment, which is very dynamic and flexible and fast and proactive. And, you know, this is the sector we are in. So it's uh, really a, a natural flow that you have the young employees that also can be can, can be dynamic, you know, flexible. We, we brainstorm ideas. We change courses during a, uh, during a, a, a year uh, to respond to market changes or the new technologies coming up. So this uh, energy and motivation and inspirational idea is what really makes us so competitive and successful in Bosnia. And I'm, I'm really hoping and I believe our customers uh, can testify this as well. So um, I really do enjoy working and learning from our youth. And uh, I think at a times it makes me feel even much younger. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no better way to stay young than to hang out with young uh, people who <laughs> yes. drive positive energy. But the company sounds very, very amazing. And I'm glad that you're able to tell us a little bit about the company culture and how you've invested into your people. That says a lot about the company's plans and future growth. We talked about all the good stuff. I want to talk a little bit about the challenges because you did speak about uh, digitization driving the need for having a quality internet provider in Bosnia. We know for many years that was a challenge. It's still a challenge in many remote parts of Bosnia. And I'm always interested in enabling those communities to come online because we know that by doing that, we're enabling people to earn, to learn, and to do all the other things that the internet does provide. So a question for you, what challenges exist for Telemark within Bosnia and Herzegovina, and how are you overcoming some of these challenges that are in front of you? And for example, it can be you know, providing quality internet infrastructure and so on, but it could be other challenges that you're foreseeing as well. Yeah, it's an excellent point. As you know, uh, as you said, uh, having the the broadband internet brought to every single home and even remote home of Bosnia and Herzegovina is a way of uh, progress. Uh, and uh, you know, we've been really trying to invest and reach uh, uh, every part of the country. However, investing and doing business in Bosnia and Herzegovina although it's rewarding, it's also challenging as many aspects of doing business. For example, a legal and regulatory framework for, for our industry is not transparent and doesn't always provide the level playing field. Telecom sector is not fully liberated in, in Bosnia. Uh, market four and five regulation, which mean infrastructure sharing, 
is, is not adopted. We are the only country in Europe and in the region that uh, has not adopted the infrastructure sharing that really will make uh, 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 reach, uh, available the reaching the, the broadband to every part of the country and uh, really enable us to, to invest whenever we, we have a customer. So there is still monopoly in the mobile telephony service which represents 50% of telecom uh, revenues and where we hold zero market share. I think, Eddie, again, we are the only country in Europe that doesn't have a foreign uh, mobile uh, uh, operator. So right. we still have this uh, uh, three state one. And we are really eager and hoping that the mobile market, at least MVNO uh, services will open up soon, providing us opportunity to invest further like we do in other countries. And you know, our investors would love to invest another set of hundreds of millions and build even a mobile infrastructure. And I'm really hoping that the liberalization of, of that market will happen soon. And we are really uh, pushing and working hard on it being an investor present in the country. But as a telecom operator, you need to continuously invest in infrastructure, as I said, which means getting different local authority building permits, a process which also is, has not been transparently uh, regulated. So investing in infrastructure in Bosnia takes more time, it's bureaucratic and costs more. So preventing and slowing down investments in development. So we were lucky to have as our shareholders like uh, big names in the financial uh, uh, industry and with the, their presence uh, and, and the money that they represent and investing in the country, they were helping us pushing these boundaries, uh, uh, pushing for the new regulations to be adopted and opening up country for, for new investment. So, however, investing in developing markets offer these significant growth opportunities, and that's why uh, investors do come in. And demand in these markets are so high, so we still manage to continually generate attractive returns on investments and continue to grow. So. Yeah, at the times it can be challenging. You know, we have to be pioneers and push for this change. We have uh, a lot of motivation, energy and power to do so. And when you are persistent and, uh, you know, know the local market, uh, you can even make that happen. So I think overall we are happy uh, to be here and we'll continue investing. A little sneak peek into the future. Uh, what can we expect to see from Telemark uh, in the next few years? Obviously, you touched on the ability to perhaps get into the mobile market, which would be fantastic. I fully agree yeah. that we need to open up and allow uh, private industry to come in and modernize the network infrastructure and roll out and just have competitiveness on the market. Because at the moment, as you said, the monopoly is providing problems that you can't even complain about a service because there's no alternative. So it's pretty challenging at the time. But what can we expect to see from Telemark in the next few years? Maybe there's something that you haven't told us or perhaps something that's in the pipeline, uh, public knowledge, but perhaps not so, uh, let's say, available to all of our listeners. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> thank you. We will, as I said, we will continue to invest in technology advancement of uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina by investing in modern infrastructure and bringing new cutting edge technology in the home of our citizens. Uh, a giga network and you know coming to uh, homes of our uh, customers and citizens with uh, with uh, giga speeds is is really in a plan so we are planning this uh, second round of investments and in our local markets uh, we are going to continue to support local community through telemark foundation and csr activities 
and the various strategic programs focusing on BIA youth education and employment, and that's our, really our focus. So well, overall in Telemach, we are committed to being a positive force in the lives of our customers, employees, and the communities we are part of. That looks, uh, the future looks bright with Telemach, I have to say that, and hopefully no one's going to say that I'm uh, flying the flag of Telemach, but I truly believe <laughs> that what you guys are doing is is uh, something that others need to look to and, and really impressive, impressive, the amount of uh, funding that's being invested into Bosnia and the great work that you guys are doing in the charity space as well. I mean, all, putting it all together, it's a really impressive place to work and uh, it sounds like you're very happy there, Heidi. Perhaps a last statement before we finish up with our podcast, uh, Futures Leaders Summit in Tuzla. Thank you so much for supporting the event and again, showing uh, the great CSR work that the organization does. It's a culture. It means that your employees are also understanding that you're giving back to the community. In Tuzla, there will be a lot of young people that will be very keen to interact with people from Telemark to learn more about you, to get to know the work that you do. Any final message that you would like to send to the young people who have listened to this podcast, but also will meet someone from Telemark, maybe yourself as well, in Tuzla? Yeah, uh, uh, you you are right. We are really proud to to partner with you on this and you know make our uh, a modest contribution. But uh, as you say, the education is one of our key areas of, of focus. From ensuring that children can access and safely navigate the digital world to supporting STEM education initiatives like Fu the Futures Leader Summit uh, in Tuzla and fostering the academic development on highly gifted young students in science and the arts. So we support these educational programs and initiatives that provide the tools young people need to make the most of their education. So we are going to have a workshop in Tuzla and, you know, share some of these uh, uh, tools and tricks and tips uh, to, to our youth. But we also support programs uh, dedicated to develop development of young professionals and entrepreneurs. So I think uh, Tuzla Summit will be a great uh, place where I invite really young Bosnian and Herzegovinians attending it to use this opportunity to network and explore different opportunities for further education, mentorships, a job internship and professional job opportunities and really make the most out of it. So I'm eager to meet you all dear uh, young Bosnian Herzegovinians and I really I'm happy and my colleagues are happy to support your plans in the future. So I'm, 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 I know that the uh, Future Leader Summit in Tuzla will be a great success and we'll have a lot of fun. Absolutely and you're going to make it even better by your, by your presence and the great work that you're putting in with that workshop. I'm saddened by the fact that I can't be there with you to explore the options as well but I'm sure this message for all the young people listening, you've got to be there, you've got to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you and Heidi Mostich, amazing uh, life story, great career and really a great example of what can be achieved with the right mindset and the ability to push through when times get difficult. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us on Futures Voices. It was a pleasure. There's so much more that we could talk about, but perhaps we can do another episode of Futures Voices in the near future. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, dear Eddie, and just keep on doing this great work and we all we are going to support you. Thank Thanks you. So Goodbye, everyone. Thank you.